another world, another time in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. This is what I came for. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. I can feel something. Hear it almost. Don't move. Don't move? Where would I go? Quiet! Here's your host, Philip Mitchell and Jamie Prater. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone. This is your vital essence on all things the Dark Crystal. I mean, your number one Dark Crystal podcast for the Dark Crystal. I'm your host, Philip Mitchell. Just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. As always, my co-host is here with me, Jamie Prater. Jamie, hey, hello, how are hello. you doing? I am doing pretty well. I'm pretty excited. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we. I mean, this just sort of came out what uh, several hours ago, I think, as we are uh, recording this episode. Something. Yeah. It, it something dropped. I think this was from new images from the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, and of course, this is something that we've been waiting. Uh, for such a long time, really since January, or maybe it was February. I mean, it's been such a long time that we had, you know, some updates with the show. We had we had the the main cast announcements, the voices and the puppeteers of the three main leads, and then we had the puppeteer with the puppeteers with the tree. But now recently, um, that we just got new images uh, that came through Empire Magazine, the Sum Edition. So I think this came out this. This issue, I believe, is the summer edition, uh, which is due to be released, I believe, in a couple of days from now. So I think that w- this was meant to come out, I think, either tomorrow or the next day, which is which is just all really exciting to to see all this. And, you know, we're going to, of course, break it all down. But I guess, Jamie, I might as well just, you know, share your story about how, how th- this actually um, got dropped. Our friend James Reedy posted these images in... The Dream Fasting Group, which I'm sorry, not the Dream Fasting Group, but the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It's the biggest like Age of Resistance group on on uh, social media. Go check it out. So James posted those images there, and you know when you see something new with the Dark Crystal, well, with Age of Resistance, you're kind of like, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What am I looking at? What am I looking at? And then you're like, oh my God, it's new, it's new images, or they're new images. So. Uh, I looked at them and quickly I, uh, downloaded them and then shared them through trial by stone, uh, our official Facebook page. And it's just kind of taken off from there. And there are several images as we will discuss, uh, with Skeksis, with Gelflings, with a podling. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. This, this is the first image we've seen of the show formally. We've seen three character images and we saw an image of the puppeteer standing behind a tree. That was the last image posted officially in January. These images aren't official. I mean, in terms of releasing, I think obviously they're they're releasing through Empire Magazine, but they leaked. Uh, they leaked early. I don't know if there was going to be an official rollout this weekend, as this weekend will be the the two year anniversary of the announcement made by Netflix. I don't know if they had um, these images in store to release formally or if they're going to release a trailer, I don't really know, but whatever the case is, they released early and they leaked and it's pretty exciting. 
Yeah, so I, I reckon this must have been something that they, they it just hit newsstands um, a lot earlier. And I guess, you know, one fan, uh, well, with James, he just managed to pick it up and, you know, sh- shared it with everyone. So, and um, yeah, I mean, these Im- images, they just look incredible. The amount of detail and just um, just the, the look of all these um, creatures that are going to be part of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Of course, these images that we're looking at, they are low quality, just, you know, taken off a phone, um, that sort of thing. So we do it. We do anticipate that there will be, of course, higher resolution images of this article in, in particular to sort of hit with Empire Magazine very, very soon. So I don't know, like, what, what should we talk about? Should we talk about the images? or And there's also an article about it that you know, a brief article about the show. But I think maybe we'll start off with with the images. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because really, a lot of these images, or there's there seems to be three main images, or four. Um, most of them featuring Skeksis, and then a Gelfling, or a couple of Gelflings. And they're all very much like you look at them, and you might think you're looking at a still from the original Dark Crystal. They look very much in-world, um, very much a part of a world that we're... A, that we're familiar with. One image in particular looks very different. And that would be the image of a Gelfling, which is they're calling the librarian. And he looks a little bit like an old gen. Um, I think you, you said that he's wearing some type of hat and he's peeking out behind books. And it's just a beautiful, it reminds me a little bit of labyrinth. It reminds me of, I don't know. It's just really beautiful. And it's a very different image for the dark crystal. And it's just a hint at a larger world that we're going to be shown. Um, I love it. I love it. I think it's just, it's full of mystery. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, just that image of the librarian is just some um, incredible. Yeah, of course I, I sort of referred to him that, I mean, he looked like sort of like an older version of Jen where they use, you know, Jen from power of the dark crystal as sort of for, for coming up with the look for the librarian. And yeah, just like, I just love just the, even the depth of the set, like it looks like that this, you know, this librarian, or wherever the set is, uh, just goes on and on, and just just seeing all these books, it's just um incredible, and I think really showcases just the amount of history that there's been with Ra over the so many thousands of years of of stories, which is which is really incredible. But yeah, as of now, like the character is just referred to as the librarian, so we we don't know what his name is is at the moment so that'll be really interesting to see find out more information about that once you know once the magazine hits stands or you know probably down the track we'll definitely we'll definitely know who who these characters are oh for sure and you know if we go to the main image because there seems to be a banner image featuring two skexies uh one i don't one looks like the Gormand. I don't really know for sure. He looks chubbier for sure. And then the other one I think is the Emperor. Um, but if you notice something, that there's a scepter being held by a tiny little hand that's located on the back of the Emperor. Um, and we've noticed this before with the Chamberlain in the original film. If you look at the Chamberlain when he's been disrobed, you'll see tiny hands on the back of his, like, like where his backbones are or whatever. It's very interesting. It's just, it's very uh, delicate and interesting uh, addition to Skeksy lore and uh, the, the visuals of the, at least of the puppet. I mean, I think uh, as, you know, as you probably said earlier that 
I mean, just looking at that main image of the two Skeksis, um, yeah, it just looks like it is straight out of the um, the film. Just um, yeah, just just the set like looks in incredible. Yeah, they, they've really like you know kept it true and sort of you know yeah, it's, it 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 just looks like the film. <laughs> so it's just uh, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty incredible. But again, I I'm, you know we're just looking at low resolution images, so I just can't wait to you know to to buy the magazine and and see it hopefully when it comes out this weekend and get really nice high quality images and of course like i mean some of the images so yeah i mean we've got the two skexies you know behind the crystal and um also what accompanied is um an image uh two another image of two skexies and i think this is our first look at skexo um, the Emperor. So I actually looking at it now, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it live. There's actually four Skeksis in that photo. There's quite a few of them <laughs> in that photo, but yeah, I mean, of course in the foreground is definitely Skekso the Emperor as I think that was captioned as him. Yeah. I mean, it's really awesome. Just that, um, his armor that he's wearing and it just looks like they're in somewhat of a battle. Like they got their swords out and Yes, those swords look familiar too, don't they? Don't they, everyone? Like they look like the swords from the Trial by Stone. Um, it's got the, it's just got the the same direction, and it's just got the same design. I don't know for sure if it's, it's the same sword. It could just be the aesthetic of the the armory in the castle, but it's pretty cool to see nonetheless. Yeah, so which is re- which is really fantastic, and I mean like. I mean, of course, in the Dark Crystal, we only saw Skexo sort of lying in the bed, sort of dying, that sort of thing. So, to see him in this way, this you know, the new look, yeah, no, nah, he like he he looks ready to battle. He doesn't seem to be like the Emperor that's just going to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna chill in the castle, and you all you guys are gonna fight it out while I chill in the castle. I think he's actually going to um, really participate, I guess, in in the um. The, you know, with the upcoming battles um, of what's to come in, in, in the show. Yeah, it does look like, it looks like it's going to be really intense. They're wearing armor. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if they're going to go battle Gelflings. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but it looks really, really interesting. And also, there's a glimpse of the, obviously, the crystal behind them, and they're in the crystal chamber. This is the first glimpse we've had of the crystal chamber since 1982, or since the film made in 1982. So that's really neat to see, and that looks, the crystal looks spot on. It just looks fantastic. Um, they could even be using the original from the film. I don't really know. I know that they kept that one in storage. It'd be interesting to find out if that's true. Um, so, Louis Leterrier, if you're listening, let us know if that's true or not. Um, or if anyone who's worked on the show, let us know if... The crystal that's being used in the Age of Resistance is the same one from the original film. That might be an interesting kind of tie-in. But I will say that uh, another picture that we didn't mention yet is a picture with Deet, who we are familiar with, and a podling dressed in red. And they look like they're in front of a podling house. I'm not really sure. So Sort of a, a rural forest setting. Really beautiful. We see more of Deet. She's very reminiscent of Kira in terms of her costume and her hair and her braids. But obviously her features are different. Her eyes are black. She comes from a different clan. They have a, a different kind of uh, way that, that they live. So it's nice seeing her again. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing I was sort of surprised. Um, like, so, so out of the three characters, of course, we've got 
uh, Rian and Bria and Deet, but we only have um, Deet in, in these sort of first look um, images. So it's awesome that she's got a bit of a spotlight on her, <laughs> you know, from Empire Magazine. And I know like from a lot of fans online, she is a, a clear favorite, you know, out of the three. So, I mean, it would just be interesting to see, you know, what her character will actually be like when the when the show came out, you know, because we're just, you know, fans are loving her just based on, on the look and the image. It'll definitely be interesting to see once um once the show comes out what what people will think of her as a character. Totally, totally. And it, it, it's worthy to mention that certainly based off the J.M. Lee books and, and certainly the film, the original film, uh, female Gelflings tend to be a little bit more dominant. They tend to be uh, the tribe leaders, the 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 ones who kind of everyone rallies around. It's a very uh, female-led race as opposed to a patriarchal race. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in Deet. Uh, I know that we've discussed with uh, in terms of Kira. Kira seemed to really take charge when she was introduced to Jen, not in a like a I'm in charge kind of way, but in kind of in a natural way. She was a very natural leader and Jen kind of just naturally followed along with her ideas. She just was naturally the the one in charge. And I, I'm I'm curious if Deet will uh carry that torch and we'll see that in the age of resistance more in terms of female gelflings kind of being the rulers and what the male gelflings how they respond. So that should be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially with um, two out of the three, you know, main leads, uh, the female Gelflings. And of course, like in Dark Crystal lore, that pretty much all the main leaders are all female um, with the with the old Mordras, with the Mordras from the different clans, uh, with the seven different Gelfling clans. Each leader is pretty much the mother of each clan, essentially. Um, and of course, you know, we have our mother, you know, Olga, who is like a who is pretty much, you know, the mother of Thra. So, and um, yeah, I just love the image of, of Deet with, you know, as a podling character called uh, Hup. Um, so, which is really exciting. And uh, yeah, again, I just love the forest, like the background as well. Again, it just seems like they're really, there's going to be a lot of um, scope, a lot of depth, I should say, uh, with all the details that just went into the show. I mean, which is really incredible because, you know, considering that the show's was in production for for a good year, and they've probably only been working on pre-production for at least a couple of years. I mean, in regards to, um, you know, creating the sets and all that kind of stuff. So I think what they pulled off is, um, yeah, pretty incredible stuff. There is a, an article that went along with these images that were published in Empire, and it's essentially... Uh, an interview with the director, Louis Leterrier. So I thought it would be, or we thought it would be a good idea to kind of read those and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, without further ado, yeah, I mean, we, we might as well read a bit of this article that is on the Empire uh, magazine. I know, so, I mean, would you like to take the honor and <laughs> you can, do you want to read like the first part of the article? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. So the first part of the article is, well, the title is Puppets as You've Never Seen Them. Three things the Dark Crystal TV revival does that have never been done, have never been attempted in puppetry. So here's a quote, and this quote is presumably by uh, the director, Louis Leterrier. Um, 
I'm excited to see what he's done with the show. It should be fascinating. He does not come from a background of puppetry. He comes from a background of feature films, uh, whether it's Clash of the Titans or The Transporter or Hulk or a film that I really love, really, really love called Now You See Me. Uh, now you don't, which is, I, I don't know if it's called now you don't. I just say it by it's called now you see me and it's, uh, directed by him and it's a really, really great movie. Check it out. Anyways, here's a, a first quote. We are working on the hardest thing that's ever been done. Says Louis Leterrier hyperbolic. Sure. But as a work of puppetry, the dark crystal age of resistance is by some distance, the most complex production ever attempted. The prequel to the 1982 Jim Henson film about a battle for power between the virtuous Gelflings and evil Skeksis is is in a fantasy land. It will it will arrive on Netflix for a 10 part episode season later this year. Leteria promises things that have never been done before in puppetry. Here are three latex based revolutions he promises. Yeah, so just just you know the article really just starts off that this is just a uh, a production like I said the most complex production ever attempted you know like these are all puppets these are all uh creatures as i like to say you know with, with you know with gelflings and skexies like the scale of this show just seems um unprecedented like in the world of puppetry it's almost going to be like sort of i mean the show is almost going to be like in a way sort of the next like almost evolution of puppetry i really believe with this show yeah, I mean, you know, it all started off, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. Actually, when I went to the Center for Puppetry Arts, it was such, such an amazing exhibition. And, of course, they have, like, three parts of the Center for Puppetry Arts. And one part, of course, was the Jim Henson collection. So you saw all Jim Henson's puppets and from the Muppets to Sesame Street and Dark Crystal Labyrinth and Fraggle Rock and all, and all those kind of things. Um and another half was dedicated to sort of like the history about puppetry. And that was very fascinating. So that was sort of like a good sort of, you know, going there to learn about puppetry. Center for Puppetry of Arts is the best way to, to go about it. But yeah, like after seeing these images and what they're going to try and pull off, it's, it's going to be pretty incredible. Yeah, it looks revolutionary. I mean, and we also have to remember that the Dark Crystal was revolutionary. Nothing has been attempted like it since the age of resistance. There have been films with puppetry, like, uh, that John Malkovich film being John Malkovich, which was phenomenal, but it's very different. It's intentionally, um, like, you know, you're watching puppetry, even though it's brilliant. Whereas the dark crystal age of resistance, much like the original film is a world created to seem photorealistic. Um, so the puppets don't look like puppets. They look like, you know, living, breathing creatures. So, and just, you know, just with one photo, there's just one photo that they showed us here with the librarian kind of peeking out and all those books kind of curved. That photo right there to me is like iconic already. It is, uh, it just, it also reminds me a little bit of uh, the Valley of the Mystics, just because there's like columns of books reminding me of the columns of rocks. Um, See, yeah, um, but I, I just can't wait. And again, these are just a couple of still images from, you know, a couple of scenes in a 10-hour show. I can't even imagine what this is going to be like. I just can't. I am floored by I'm floored by this. And just the, the, the level of detail in Deet's costume, um, I, I'm really blown away. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't <laughs> go on enough about it. All right. <laughs> well, I'll, we'll continue on with this article. So. Um, so it continues on with, it gives 
the three latex-based revolutions it promises. And number one is chase sequences. So it's so it says the following: Luteria's background is in live-action cinema, The Incredible Hulk, Clash of the Titans, not puppets. He chose not to change his filmmaking style to fit puppeteering, but make puppeteering fit his style. I wanted to bring puppetry into the modern age, he says, to take a modern filmmaking style using Steadicam and make it work with puppets. Using Steadicam for chase sequences was incredibly complicated, as the loose filming style risks showing puppeteers and the gaps in a set where they stand. So, like, for those who are wondering, like, what is Steadicam? So, Steadicam is basically, like, um, that Steadicam is sort of like a brand of, um, it is like a camera stabilizer mount. Uh, so, you put the camera on top of the, uh, the, the Steadicam, and what a Steadicam does, it, it really helps have a nice, smooth mo- movements in shots. And I believe, like, one of the very first films that did that is in Rocky, Especially in examples when you see um, the, the whole montage of Rocky doing his training when he's running and stuff. Like, that is all on Steadicam. So, just wanted to talk about um, the use of Steadicam. Because I don't think Steadicam was really in use uh, with the original film. Because I think, you know, just it was just sort of a very um, hard challenge for, you know, for them to, to pull off something like that. A lot of, like, the running shots, I think, from the original film would all be dolly shots. So you have the the tripod placed and the camera mounted on the tripod and um, the camera operators and um, camera assistants would uh, move the camera and the tripod um, from left to right or whatever to, to get sort of those kind of shots. So, and, and, and like you said, I mean, using Steadicam for chase sequences was incredibly complicated because, I mean, that that's the biggest, you know, thing with, with puppets is in the original film, they would usually hide puppeteers in shots. And the big thing about this show is that nowadays, you know, because of technology, with the technology and with, um, with green screen technology that they're able to remove the puppeteers from shots, make it look like, you know, that they weren't there at all, you know, take them out sort of thing. So, and yeah, I think like the use of Steadicam, like I think that's going to be a very interesting look for the show. And, and yeah, it will be a bit different, I guess, that look compared to the original film since most of the shots in the original film are very static or they're just dolly shots, uh, you know, no, you know, having that lack of steady cam. And the steady cam can really move with the characters. And that's something that's difficult. Like he was saying, um, it's difficult because you have to keep puppeteers out of frame. So you're move, they have to move with, with the camera and, but the camera has to stay, uh, level in a way that the it, it's framed correctly so you're not seeing puppeteers arms or whatever underneath the floor or in the gaps of the set that's a very very tricky thing and i think it seems like what louis is trying to do is to really free up thra and free up the characters to be more expressive um as amazing as the original film is it's some of it some of the characters movements are um kind of they are prevented by the everything happening under kind of underneath the puppets. Um, so this is going to be very interesting to see. And I think really what he's, he's trying to do is just make this more of a theatrical experience. 
than anything else as opposed to like he's not trying to make it look like an MTV music video. He's not trying to make it look like, you know, a, one of those episodic, you know, shows that you see on like the network channels. He's just trying to make this series or the these episodes look more cinematic and just be free of movement. So it's going to be interesting to see what he accomplished. Definitely. And as we continue on in, in this article, so, so they did said while a test was done to combine CG characters with puppet characters, it was scrapped uh, because Luturier only wanted to use CG where absolutely necessary for extending scenery or occasional effects. He hired puppeteers whose specific skill was to make puppets run convincingly rather than the usual mad bopping about. There was no shortcuts for getting the chases right. Just a lot of practice. Nine takes out of 10, it looks terrible. It's a nightmare. But that one take that goes right, it's life. It's pure. So again, yeah, it's just a lot of work is just going to go into the show and it doesn't matter how, how many takes it pulls off to, to get a shot. Like, you know, once you know that shot is good, it, it, it's incredible. And, and I think that's a thing, like, I, I think that was one of the things I think in, in the original film in the World of Dark Crystal documentary. And I think Jim Henson mentioned uh, briefly about that Jen was sort of one of the hardest to sort of puppeteer. And that was because of the movement was a bit different because of course compared to the Muppets yeah the Muppets are the characters they go mad the mad bopping about which I think is what he was referring to you know with (laughs) when he said about you know to make the puppets run convincingly it's just um and like Jim had to sort of work out a way to make to move Jen very naturally like even just the walking part was sort of a bit of a challenge but to get the puppeteers to get these gelflings to run fast convincingly it yeah i mean that is a big challenge i mean even if you look in the dark crystal the only running stuff that we we really see is when um jen and kira they're running from the um uh, the podling village and they're running through a forest and obviously you know they're you don't see the legs or whatever so it's like that sort of thing so it'd be really interesting just like um, how much capabilities they, they're going to do, you know, with all these chase sequences. So I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah. It's really exciting. And if, you know, I've noticed too, even as much as of course a masterpiece of the original, as much of a masterpiece as the original film is when that, you know, when you do see them running, sometimes they look a little Bobby. Um, sometimes the hodlings look a little Bobby. Um, but I think that's the nature of people who were working on the Muppets and they kind of pivot to that kind of behavior, um, which it doesn't distract me. I mean, we, even though I kind of know that they're puppets, I'm also, I also, I take that action as kind of being a part of who they are. It doesn't seem puppet, puppety or Muppety. It seems like podling, like that's how podlings move or, um, but you can also tell with Jen and Kira, the difference between Catherine Mullen's performance. Uh, is that her last name? Yeah. Mullen, right? Um, and the difference between Jim Henson's performance, Henson felt a lot less natural, whereas Kira felt completely like angelic and natural and graceful, whereas you could really see Jim trying to pull himself out of his kind of Kermit, uh, movements. Um, but that being said, I'm just thrilled to see what they, what they come up with. But one thing to note, so in this piece, Louis says nine out of 10 takes, it looks terrible. So let's 
understand what that means. Nine out of 10 takes. Just think about this is a 10 hour show and the amount of work it took these people to create this world, not just to create the world in terms of sets or costumes or props and all of that amazing thing, all of those amazing things that we love, but to get the movements right, to get everything right. It took so much work. So I just really want to stop and appreciate that. Definitely. Yeah. And especially like, yeah, I mean, that that's a big thing, especially with puppets. Like, I can, I can imagine like with directing, like not only directing you know, the scene as a general and, and, you know, usually you have actors on set or whatever, but with puppets, it's like, you really got to, it's, you know, it, it is really, you know, a choreographed kind of thing with puppets. You, you got to figure out uh, when their mouths open and close, you know, to get that, to get that right. And the eye movements, like, you know, what moments should they blink? What moment should they express an emotion when they should look happy, when they should look like sad or, or thrilled or there is, and, and maybe like for, you know, with, with puppeteers, like maybe um, there might be a show they're trying to get puppeteers out of shot and there might be a take where it just didn't, doesn't work out. So the, the, there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Um, as he, and as it was said, you know, it's the most complex production ever attempted. So sort of going back in that, but like you said, but that one take that goes right, it's life, it's pure. It, it's going to be incredible. Just, um, you know, with the show, with these chase sequences that we're probably going to get, you know, who, who you know, who are the Gelfling going to be running from? Are they running from the Skeksis or will there be some other, other um, villainous characters come into play? So definitely a lot of fun to sort of think about um, uh, with this article. So I guess we might as well read the uh, second part, and this is probably going to be your favorite um, that you want to read. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, perfect timing. <laughs> so the number two is flying. There's a good reason you don't see flying sequences. In... Let me start again. Number two is flying. There's a good reason you don't see flying sequences in puppet shows. You'd have puppeteers dangling in midair. Leterrier wanted, wanted as much spectacle as possible for the show, including creatures flying at speeds over land, including creatures flying at speed over the land of Thra. So they had to find a way to get puppeteers into the sky. We put the puppets up on we put the puppets up on a crane. He says it's all about the movement, and you add the right movement, and everything takes flight. And of course, as everyone knows, hopefully by this time. My favorite scene in The Dark Crystal is uh, when Jen and Kira jump off the cliff and wings unfold and they float down. So the idea that we're going to see Gelfling females in flight, oh my God, I'm just so thrilled. I mean, I've, I've you know, even as a little kid, I always wanted to be, be fly, fly and be Superman. And uh, uh, yeah, and even in my writing now as a writer, I, I'm a, I, I fly in my writing. Like I, I just, it's just... I, I'm just so excited about this. There's just something so uh, spellbinding and magical about wings. Um, so we'll see what they have in store. And I guess, like, you know, that it also dates back, I guess, with the influences uh, with uh, Brian Froud, uh, with illustrating, especially with um, with fairies and stuff. And I guess that, you know, got implemented, you know, during development of the Dark Crystal for the Galflings to have wings, and especially more so with... Um, with the female, as we saw with with Kira, but of course we know at the um, the Wall of Destiny, um, we do see male Galflings that's in, in carved um, 
with the uh, the Gulfling, uh, the Wall of Destiny, and they have wings. So that's going to be interesting to see if those kind of characters going to appear in the show as well. So there's there's a lot to sort of think about with that. So, and one thing, one one point to make while you're talking about the Wall of Destiny, and it reminds me as I looked at that image with the Gelfling in the books, what it tells me is that there is a whole culture of Gelflings um, that we are we don't even know about. They have a whole thriving um, civilization. I mean, as written down in those books, and I know a lot of them can't read. Some of them can read. So it's a really, really rich history. And I think about the houses of the old ones when they walk into uh, that, that old, those old ruins where the wall of destiny is it. There's just so much feeling and emotion happening in that scene. But um, as I see these pictures of, age of resistance it reminds me of the wall of destiny like that world that we can kind of feel that's have has been swept away um we are going to see it in the age of resistance so definitely uh, i would certainly hope so so uh just so much so much to look forward to and as we quickly get we'll get to uh number three so this one says absolutely massive battles and it starts off with um, when you attempt to create a battle with actors, you're insane, says Leterrier. Imagine doing it with puppets. No flaws, puppets of different sizes. There are a lot of things working to make it impossible. But you can't have a series about a battle between good and e- evil without some big battles. Leterrier assembled a huge cast of puppeteers for scenes on a scale never attempted. If one person is in a mood or not on their game, you see it. So, so everyone has to always be at their best. It was a laborious process, but as Leterrier puts it, there's not anything we tried and didn't succeed in doing. You know, just seeing, you know, potential, like we have all these massive battles to come. Skeksis versus Galflings, or whether the Gartham are going to come into play. It's gonna be like pretty incredible stuff. Oh yeah, I can't even. I can't even. I mean, we're used to battles in like the Lord of the Rings films, or of course Game of Thrones, which is in its last episode coming up this Sunday. But to see this happen with puppets, um, it's gonna be interesting because sometimes puppets can tend to be can tend to look ridiculous if they're not puppeteered correctly. You know, like sometimes people or you see like little puppet shows and sometimes they make a movement and you're kind of, you laugh at it because it looks ridiculous because it doesn't look natural. So they're going to have, they, they were, they were, let me say that again. Um, they would have to have planned these battles in a way that looked realistic. They didn't look ridiculous. And the puppeteers we're making sure that their performance is really selling it as opposed to, Oh, ha ha. Look at those puppets fighting as opposed to no, look at those different creatures fighting each other in armor. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's a big, that's a big order. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. And especially like when you're talking about with Lord of the Rings, um, I definitely remember in the behind the scenes, especially with um, the Helm's Deep battle and, and the CGI was just um, like incredible at the time and was really challenging because at the time they were using um, a program, a computer program called Shake. 
um, that was used to sort of animate with the orcs and um, and the humans, you know, the, the men sort of, you know, fighting. And um, they, there was an incredible amount of difficulty to, to even pull that off. So to do it with puppets, you know, on stage. I mean, even so, like with game, you know, with shows like Game of Thrones, you know, where it's all, you know, so many um, extras, you know, fighting and all that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, those, those scenes, they are they are hard to really pull off. And like you said, you know, with doing it with puppets, it just adds another layer of, um, of difficulty to really pull it off. So yeah, they're, they're like, it's, that's the thing. Like all we're seeing is we just got a, just a little taste of Thra with what we're seeing with the Skeksis and with Deet and this librarian character and the podling, but it's going to be pretty incredible once, um, more details get released and um of course you know this article got leaked a lot early a couple of days early so there's going to be a lot to come uh with the dark crystal age of resistance yes there will be uh it's a really exciting time of course we don't have a release date yet that that uh piece was is published in empire magazine as we mentioned before it will be on newsstands i suppose word worldwide starting May 16th. Um, but just to kind of wrap up my own thoughts, I'm still getting to know Louis Leterrier in terms of a film, uh, a filmmaker and a director. But what I do love right away about him is that he is figuring out how he can tell his own story. Oftentimes with uh, properties like The Dark Crystal or Star Wars or just uh, as we have seen with The Last Jedi, it's very hard to move into a new direction. You have fans who are kind of attached to the old way of doing things or they kind of want to see sometimes a lot of fans just want to see what they've seen before just because it's safe and it's familiar and it's comfortable but i applaud louis for saying no i want to do something different it's risky it's really really risky to make a sequel or a prequel it is so risky but he's and he's also people have to understand that he gets the camera and he gets down there and he does a lot of his own filming Certainly there are uh, cinematographers there. There are directors of photography all working together. But he is a kind of in-the-trenches guerrilla filmmaker who gets his hands dirty. He understands the process. He understands all the amount of work that goes into this type of thing. People might think, oh, the director, they just get to stand there and say, yes, cut, no, I like that, love that, let's move on. No, this man is involved. So I'm excited to see the world that he's helped to recreate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like we're, we're doing new things, but also, you know, at the same time, you know, he's keeping the spirit of the film. I know, like, for example, there are a lot of people that are like, well, with Deet, for example, like her eyes are really black. And it's like, well, she doesn't look like a Gelfling, that sort of thing. But then there is a lot of history with different Gelfling clans that has never been told. So, of course, with, with Deet, for example, she is part of the, the Groton clan. And, and their eyes, are they just live in the dark, in the shadows, and they live in caves, essentially. So that's why their, their eyes become like, they are black, uh, pure black, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's like, I think Louis, what he's put off is, is really incredible. And it's, it's really unlike anything that's ever seen. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see what, the world <laughs> thinks things of the show when it comes out because it's going to be unlike anything anyone has ever seen. I mean, including us as fans, um, which is going to be really incredible to see 
you know, and, and th this is just a glimpse. Like these are just photos. So, you know, imagine what 10 hours of the show is going to be like. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the world that it's the world that we know bigger than we could have ever imagined it bigger than I think Jim Henson could have possibly created with the, the constraints and the money and the budgets and everything that he had at his kind of his, uh, his fingertips and Frank Oz, obviously Frank Oz was the co-director. So we are in 2019 with way better technology in terms of practical effects. Also, let's just mention this. This is a practical effects show. This isn't CGI, even though there's some augmentation that's very minor happening around happening in the background. 98% of the show is practical effects and it does it's not done anymore. And I think it's going to re, re represent practical effects to an audience that's so used to kind of computers doing everything, you know? And I think now people, uh, we used to, in the beginning of CGI, like with Jurassic Park and T2, we were like, oh, wow, CGI, that's cool. But now we're so used to what it can do that it doesn't, we're like, okay, whatever, you know, it's CGI. Whereas now what's, what is impressing people are practical effects and what you can do in camera. And so there's going to be nothing like age of resistance again. Uh, I mean, even if it gets a second season, it's going to be singular, but hopefully it kind of uh, opens the door for a whole new chapter of filmmaking or series um, in terms of puppeteering and practical effects. Yeah. It's just going to be an incredible feat. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so excited for the, for the show now. It's like, I mean, I've always been excited for the show, but just seeing more images and stuff, it's, it's going to be, incredible stuff yeah so i guess you know we'll, we'll have to wrap up this episode of trial by stone but i just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and uh you know for all updates on on all things dark crystal um like us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash dark crystal podcast um that's where you know if anything any news announcements that gets dropped that is the number one place to check out uh so jamie i just want to say Thanks so much. And um, yeah, we've definitely got a lot, a lot to look forward to in the future. That's for sure. Of course, my friend. Yeah, I'm excited. Trial by Stone is going to be, I mean, it's the only Dark Crystal podcast. It's going to be your hub for everything Dark Crystal and Age of Resistance. It's going to be me and Phil. And hopefully we can score some interviews and talk to some people and uh, talk to some fans and really make this a community experience. So I'm excited. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for any, so maybe we'll, we might do an episode where we, we hear what the th fans think. So, I mean, this is a call out. What did you th thought of these images for, from the empire uh, magazine? So send us an email at dark at gmail.com and just say subject line empire. And um, you can do whether you want to, you know, write to us or you can even record an audio of your thoughts on the, um, on these first look images. Um, they'll be fantastic. And maybe we'll, we'll read some of those or, or play those audio clips, um, on the show. So, um, definitely do that. If you, you know, if you want to be a part of the trial by stone, uh, podcast, I think that'd be fantastic. You already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry. At last the crystal calls. It is time, time to return to the castle. The crystal calls! To the crystal chamber! 
So that's all the time we have for this episode of Trial by Stone. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. We're on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. On Instagram, we are at darkcrystalpodcast. We're also on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. If you like the show and you think that others would love it too, then please spread the word about the podcast. If you're able to write a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Facebook page, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.